0: Good morning. My name is Jaden. I am one of the pastors here at Open Life, and yes, I am an Oregon Ducks fan. So, the pride of the Pac-12 in the tournament, the last team (laughs) playing today. So, uh, you can hate me later after service, but I figure if that can wear his purple on a Sunday, I can wear my green. So, that's that's who I'm rooting for today. I'm also a Gonzaga fan, so I was really happy yesterday. But, anyway, needless to say, we're in our More Than series Thank you for being here today. Um, just to kind of recap, really quickly, what we've been going through, um, we've just been talking about what we can invest our lives and everything that comes with it. With that, our time, our talents, our treasure—what we can invest our lives in—that's going to really matter in the grand scheme of life, in the frame of mindset that Jesus gives us to look at life. How can we live our lives? And invest in the things that Jesus would want to invest in. And so the week one, we talked about the things that money can't buy or the things that money can't do for us. Week two, we went over God's plan for our finances because it's a very real issue in our lives. And sometimes it's important to know what does God think about those things and how do I apply those things to my life as well. Then in week three we talked, okay, so I have this plan that Jesus that God has kind of shown me and how He wants me to use my finances, and so then what's what can I do with that? At once I'm working in that plan and following that and that's about being generous and so if you were there on that week we gave everyone a $20 bill and said you know use this invest in the community um invest into uh if you need it if you know if like you're hitting the budgets and like you absolutely need this for food you can use it for yourself but think about ways that you might be able to invest it and we challenge you to come back the next week which was last weekend and hear about um something that we're starting here at Open Life and so week four was all about fostering. Care and just something that God placed on our hearts. I think a new kind of initiative that we're starting at Open Life. Um, and not, it's not a new initiative. I mean, foster care has been around for a long time, but it's new for us to be deliberately investing into it um, in a really tangible and um, strong way. And so that's what we talked about last week. And so if you've missed any of those, I'd encourage you to go online, you can go on the website, the app, anywhere, and just look and maybe listen to specifically last week's, but if you missed any of the ones before that, you're more than welcome to go. If you press play, it'll be Brent down in Sumner, but if you press the headphones button, then that is Thad or me speaking here at Bonnie Lake, so just so you know how that works, but if you miss anything, it's important to keep up if you miss some things, especially the foster care one, because we'll be talking about that probably a lot, and just so that you know everything that's going on with that would be good for you to know, so let's jump right in today, today the big idea is leading is more than you, so we were talking about more than, more than blank, and today it's leading is more than you. And so when you, when you think about leading, maybe you say, well, I'm not a leader. I'm more of a follower type of person. And sometimes that's what I think that I am sometimes. I mean, I, I like, I kind of get sick and tired of everyone's a leader. And so everyone just go in your different ways. And everyone just go and, you know, do your own thing. You be a leader. You start your own company. You be the CEO. When sometimes I think it's important for us to learn, especially in terms of following Jesus, Has how can I be a good follower? How can I choose to, like you know, Jesus' plan, Jesus' teaching, Jesus' love permeate my life and say, I'm going to follow you, Jesus, in all that I do. But today we're talking about leading in that. So as we surrender ourselves to Jesus, how do we lead to do the things that God wants us to do? And so we're going to be talking in the book of Judges. And so if you've never read Judges before, um, it's at the beginning of your Bible. So this is in the Old Testament. And to give you a little bit of background, I need to tell you about some key People and books to kind of catch you up with what we're talking about in the story. And so at the beginning of the Bible, you have a few different characters. You have Moses. He's pretty important. You see, God's chosen people are in Egypt, and they've been there for like 400 years, and they're slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt. And so God says, you know, it's time to deliver my people and take them to the the land that I have um, placed for them. And so God chooses Moses to do this. And so when we read in the books of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, it's all about the Israelites leaving Egypt and heading to the land of Canaan, the land flowing with milk and honey, as it's said in the Bible. And so basically that's what Moses' job was, was, getting the people of Israel from Egypt into Canaan, which is now Israel, and so, um, but. You know, the people mess up. They start worshiping other gods, even though God delivered them from Egypt. And so they repay him by worshiping other gods. And God says, okay, you know what? We're going to kind of hit the reset button. This generation is going to die off. And then the next generation will be the ones to actually lead us into the promised land. And so that leader who did that, his name was Joshua. So you got Moses, then it goes to Joshua. And so basically the book of Joshua is all about him kind of leading the people into the actual land and how they were going to actually, you know, go into the land and drive the other people out and, you know, do all this stuff inside of there. And so then again, you hear, you know, the people during Joshua's time followed God and they listened to what he was saying. But then after Joshua dies... Then there's a generation that follows that actually followed God. And then it says after that, the people turned to other gods. They turned to other kingdoms that came in. They, you know, didn't follow the the rules that God had placed for them to live by. And so in these times when uh, the people would turn away and then another kingdom would come in and rule them, they'd become slaves, the people of Israel would cry out to God and then he would have to send them a rescuer, as it says in the New Living Translation, if you read through Judges. And so these were people chosen by God to deliver them, the people of Israel, from bondage, from the, you know, the attackers and people raiding their um, land. And so these rescuers are people are called judges. And so that's where the name of the book comes from. It's a book about all the different judges that we read about. And so, um, but over and over, a judge would come. The people would re-establish their relationship with God. But then once that judge passed away, as long as there was no... When there was no one leading them, they began to look to other gods. They began to look to other things. And so then another time of slavery would come in, another time of people coming in, taking their food, taking their crops, you know, starving them for years and years and years on end. The people cry out again. God sends another judge. The people are saying, oh, yes, thank you, God. We're going to follow you. So they do. The judge dies. And so this repetitive cycle happens over and over and over and over. And so we read these stories to look and how do we apply them to our lives, how do we look and try and see Jesus through these stories that we're reading and apply them to how we are gonna gonna live. And so today Excuse me. Today we are going to be talking about a specific judge and when God first called him to lead, and kind of talk about how we can apply some of the principles and things in that, and how we can apply those to our lives. So Judges six fourteen through sixteen. This is right after. Um, so the guy's name that we're going to be talking about today is Gideon, and so what happens is that the a group of people called the Midianites are attacking the land once again. They've taken the crops. They're starving people. And so it's been about seven years of, of famine and starvation. And so the people begin to cry out to God. And so we pick up this story when an angel of the Lord is talking to this man named Gideon. And he's basically saying, I've chosen you to lead my people and to teach them to turn back to me. And then we, we will drive out the people. And as we'll talk about, that, that's what kind of the story is today. And so let's pick it up in Judges six fourteen. It says, Then the Lord said to him, and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord Gideon replied, How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I'm the least in my entire family. The Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. And so the first thought today, we're going to take this bit by bit, but the first thought today is go with the strength you have. When God calls you to do something, when you feel led to, maybe you have a plan or a dream inside of your heart, and you say, I really feel like this is what God wants me to do. When he calls you to do something, go with the strength you have. When we think that we don't have the strength to do something great, God tells us that the strength that we have is enough for what he wants to accomplish with us. You know, ordinary people in the Bible become extraordinary people over and over and over again. You look at Moses, he was he says to himself, I'm a terrible speaker. How am I gonna be able to talk to Pharaoh? He actually was a murderer, he murdered someone, and he was in exile when God found him. But God used him to deliver his people from Egypt. He's God says go with the strength you have. When you look at David later on in the Bible, he's the youngest one in his family. I mean, he plays the harp. For me, that's I mean If you play the harp, no offense, but that's not like the most manliest instrument. And I should know, I played the clarinet in band and I got made fun of all the time. So I think I'm a little bit above the guy playing the harp, you know, in, in my opinion. But God uses a slingshot in the hand of David to catapult David into leading his people Israel. When you look at Samson, another judge that is later on in this book, Samson had his hair and his physical strength. And God said, lead my people, go and do. And then when you look in the New Testament, you look at Peter and the other disciples and Peter was just a fisherman, an ordinary guy. But then he's the one that Jesus called. He's the one that first saw Jesus for who he was as a son of God. And Peter was the one who stepped out of the boat and was able to walk on water because of his faith. And then when you go later on in the New Testament, you have a person like Saul. He's a murderer too. He basically, his whole mission was to kill all of these new followers of Jesus after Christ died and rose again. And Paul's mission was to say, no, I'm stopping this. Like, you know, we're going back to the old Jewish ways. And so his job was to kill Christians. Yet Jesus called him and said, hey, follow me. And he did. And he turned from his ways. And that's where we get the person Paul in the New Testament. And so what if your weakness was your strength? What if being used by God was more about not our strength or how weak we think we are, but more about the two words, willingness and opportunity? And, you know, as open life, our strength, as always been, from when we've been a church, in our action versus our size or our budget here at the church. We have a willingness to act with the strength we have when we see opportunities that need to be met in our community. It'd be easy for us to say, well, you know, I think it'd be easy for the bigger churches to kind of handle some of these issues, because look at us. We are just a little church that makes in a high school, or we're a little church that makes in a middle school, it would be easy, easier, easy for us to say, you know what, we just don't have the resources. We don't have the people. We don't have to do that. Or we're not strong enough to do that. But we choose to look at our willingness to step forward and our opportunities to do that. And we go forward in that. We have to realize that our strength is enough for right now. And God is asking you to lead in ways that you don't feel skilled enough, equipped enough, or even strong enough to lead in. All God wants is for us to go with what we have. And so I don't know what issue you're walking through. I don't know what dream you may have. I, know, I don't know what struggle you may be walking through. But can you just do the smallest thing to take a step forward? Are you willing? Do you have opportunity? Then Judges 6.34 is the next verse, and it says, Then the Spirit of the Lord clothed Gideon with power. After Gideon was instructed to go with the strength that he had, this is the good news for all of us. God said, I'm going to come behind you, and I'm going to empower you. I'm going to strengthen you, and you're going to be walking in my power. But we have to be willing to take a step forward and meet the opportunities that are in front of us. So thought number two is God will give you the strength that you need. You see, God takes your strength, the things that you're willing to do, and then he empowers it with his Holy Spirit. And so another way of putting it is that your strength becomes empowered. Your strength becomes more than what it is. And I don't know about you, I'm a huge fan of all these like comic book movies and shows, and I think the coolest ones are where the person like is already like a scientist, and then when he's Usually they're infected with like, some sort of um, serum or some, some crazy stuff. But then they become empowered to do even greater things in the field that they are already in. And so like, I'm trying to think of what my like, power would be. And I am thinking it would have to do with something like... Like sports analytics, because I watch a lot of sports and like I study it and stuff. And I think I'd be like a super like I'd probably be the best GM for any sports franchise if I were. If only I had like that special serum that like the Hulk drank or something. You know, you, you don't want to see me when I'm angry, right? I don't know Maybe that's not catching. Maybe you guys need to watch more TV. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> don't do that. But when we're talking about the Holy Spirit. We're talking about, you know, Easter is a week away. And so I'd encourage you to come to our Good Friday service on Friday down at Maple One Elementary or come back here on Sunday at 10 a.m. for Easter. That's our Easter plug right there. But um, if you read in the story, it's also like a scary time for the disciples because Jesus dies. He comes back. He's risen again. And then there's this time of waiting for the disciples. Okay, what's next? What are we going to do next? And so when you read in Acts, you read about this thing called the Holy Spirit. And really, for us Christians, like this is what our relationship with Jesus, when we talk about a relationship with Jesus, we're talking about the Holy Spirit coming into our hearts and lives and empowering us to do awesome things in Jesus' name. And that's the cool thing about Easter is that it's not like the end of the story, but there's this like— the whole power, this, that untapped potential that we have the power to tap into when we choose to follow Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit is a huge thing that we have to grasp and really understand that. It's not our strength, it's our strength, plus the whole power of the Holy Spirit coming behind us when we're choosing to follow in the way of Jesus. His strength gives us the ability to finish the opportunities that we are actually willing to pursue. You know, open life is all in, and we're in it for the long haul for foster care. You know, we said it last week, and we're, we're going to do it. We're going to follow through. But we don't know all the answers. We don't know what it's going to look like. But obviously, by our strength, we aren't ready. But with God's strength, we are ready to push forward and take the first step. And that's what our Easter offering is about next week. When you come and give, when you just, if you put money into the buckets or if you just put it in the envelope without designating it, that's where it's going to. It's going to foster care. Now, just a clarification, if you put it in the envelope and check tithe, it's going to go to tithe. But if you check other, it'll go to foster care. But that's what we're doing. And we're giving $5 per head for every person that walks through the doors next week. It's $5 is going in honor of you just being here to our foster care fund. Because we believe that much in it, that we want to invest into it right from the beginning. And so being empowered by the Holy Spirit means that we're creating fruit to impact others. We read in Scripture that Paul says that the fruit of the Spirit is actually a few different things. And those are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are what we are taught Those are the byproducts of lives that are following Jesus. Those are byproducts of people that are empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so we're not empowered by the Holy Spirit just to come to church on a Sunday. We're not just empowered by the Holy Spirit to come and just pray, to sing some songs, to listen to some guy talk at the front of the stage, and then to go home and let it not have an impact on our lives. Being empowered by the Spirit of God means that we let the fruits of the Spirit radiate, impact, and change every aspect of our lives. Ourselves, our families, our jobs, every relationship. But so when we talk about, when we're talking about leading and having the strength to do things, what are we talking about? And this isn't just, this isn't just like a ploy for us to get you involved in doing church stuff. We want you to be actively engaged with the power of the Holy Spirit every single day of your lives. And so I'm, I was just thinking of different people. Are you a doctor? Or do you work in a doctor's office? Wouldn't it be cool to know that you have the power of the Holy Spirit backed by the skills and strength that you already do have to help you notice things maybe in a patient's life? Or you teachers, I know this is super hard for you, but you get through half the day and you're exhausted and you're tired. Wouldn't it be encouraging to know that you have the power of the Holy Spirit to actively engage your life to give you power to get through the rest of the day? or people that work in an office, when your workload is to the max and you're trying to finish a project for work and you just feel stressed beyond belief, isn't it encouraging to know that the power of the Holy Spirit brings fruit such as peace, patience, self-control, when times that you might not feel like having those things, that's what the power of the Holy Spirit does. Or maybe you're in the service sector. You're a waiter or you work in a restaurant. God bless you. Self-control, patience, you know? But I think sometimes we talk about the fruits of the Spirit and we think, well, it just involves coming to church on a Sunday and it involves, you know, worshiping, lifting my hands as we sing. But I think more and more and more we have to realize that the power of the Holy Spirit is not just for an hour and ten minute time frame on a Sunday morning, but it's for the whole aspect of our entire weeks and our entire lives to have an impact in the people that we're walking around. Judges 7, 2-3 says, Then the Lord said to Gideon, You have too many warriors with you. If I let all all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. Therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go home. So 22,000 of them went home, leaving only 10,000 who are willing to fight. So Gideon is gathering the army and he's saying, you know what, we're going to attack. We're going to drive these people out of our land. And so he's doing this, but God's like, dude, this is a lot of people. When you actually do this, you're going to think that it's by your strength that you did this. But I want you to realize that it's my strength working with you that's going to see you succeed. So thought three is God wants you to know it's his strength. So when we think that we did all the work, then we think that we deserve all the credit. We don't follow Jesus' leading to credit ourselves, but rather we want to point other people to Jesus. Open Life's mission from the very beginning has been people leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. If there's one thing that you could get behind, it's that you can lead other people into a growing relationship with Jesus. God wants us to know him, more than we know how. God wants us to know him more than we know how we're going to do the things that he wants us to do. God, I'm willing, but tell me how it's going to get done. I think that's our prayer a lot of times. I'm willing to do this, God, but how is this going to work? Sometimes when we say that, that's not God's plan. That's our plan, and we just like to attribute it to God. God gave me a plan from A to Z. I know exactly what we're doing. Well, are you sure? Are you sure that God gave you the whole plan? Is that really stretching for you? Because it's easy to come up with a plan that you know that you can do under your own strength. But what about the plans that we can make that are way past our abilities? And we say, God, you got to show up on this one. It takes knowing God's, who God is speaking into our lives. But those are the plans that are worth following and worth fighting for. And, you know, some people, you're in a different situation in your life. You might say, you know, I don't have all those, like, rich and lofty plans and stuff. But, you know what? What about, like, my marriage? What about my relationship with my kids? And we think, God, just give me the plan. Let me know it's going to be worth it. Let me know that there's an end, that I'm going to make it. And God says, just take a step forward. Follow me. Love your wife. Love your kids. Love your spouse. Don't give up. But take that first step something I was thinking about is that, and it's been true in my life, is that when you take the first step, God is always there to empower you to do that. He always empowers you to take the first step. So sometimes in our lives, we have to realize that maybe that first step is the only step we can take. And so then he empowers you to take the first step again, and you do it again. And he empowers you to take the first step. He always empowers you to take the first step. And for some of us, that's encouraging because then, three steps down, he he empowered us to take all of those steps forward. When the odds are against us, we'll either know the taste of defeat or we'll know the strength of God. See, God's people were defeated a lot. Every time they turned from God, another defeat was waiting to happen. And almost all the time it was because they were boasting in their own strength. God, we don't need you anymore. Our judge saved us. We're good now. Thanks for your help. But we can go on our own now. God will reveal our dependency on him one way or the other. Either through defeat, and that's us saying, God, I really should have trusted you on this one. Or more importantly, it's by acknowledging his strength from the beginning where we can say, God, thanks for bringing me to this place. When we get down a line, we're either going to say, God, I should have trusted you, or God, thanks for getting me here. And that's our decision today. Judges, as the story goes on, Judges 7, 4 through 7, it says, But the Lord told Gideon, There are still too many. Bring them down to the spring, and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. When Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, Divide the men into two groups. In one group put all those who cup water in their hands and lap it up with their tongues like dogs. In the other group put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths in the stream. Only 300 of the men drank from their hands. All the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream. The Lord told Gideon, with these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Sent all the others home. So Gideon... Has this huge army. God says, take 22,000 out. You're stuck with 10,000. And then he says, go have them drink at a stream. If the people cup it and, you know, drink it like dogs, keep those guys, 300 of them, and then just send the others home. So really, he's looking at 3% of his 10,000-man army is what he has now as an army. And I have a theory about this. Have you ever YouTubed dogs you know, licking water, drinking water. Do it. It's in super slow motion. But what happens is the dog's tongue goes down and then like scoops it up backwards into their mouths. So I'm thinking that God knew that this was a special way to drink water, to bring the, the oxygen and the electrolytes out of the water and empower the, the leaders and the people of the army. I'm just kidding. I don't think that's what God had in mind. But isn't it funny? It's like you can just like, okay, what, like, Really, you know, you, you need the, the, the people that drink like dogs. Those are the, the powerful army you're giving me. But God says, just do it. Just, you know, just, tr- just trust me. And so this is what God reveals to us in prayer and time with him, though. Is that sometimes we may think that we've sacrificed or surrendered everything that we need to surrender to God. But sometimes when we're, you know, when we're praying or when we're worshiping, and when we choose to, to follow him, God says, you know what? You need to surrender more. There's something more that you need to surrender. There's something else you're holding on to. And this is why it's really important that this is not just a church on a Sunday morning thing, but this is an everyday, everyday relationship with Jesus where we can just say, God, I need to take inventory of my life. God, what do you want to do through me today? What are the things that you want me to, to not hold on to? What do you need me to give up in my life? What are you empowering me, empowering me with? That's what, that's what a growing relationship looks like. And then the story goes on in Judges 7, 9 through 14. That night the Lord said, Get up go down to the Midianite camp, for I have given you victory over them. But if you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Purah, listen to what the Midianites are saying, and you will be greatly encouraged. Then you will be eager to attack. So Gideon took Purah and went down to the edge of the enemy camp. The armies of the Midian. Amalek and the people of the east had settled in the valley like a swarm of locusts. Their camels were like grains of sand on the seashore, too many to count. Gideon crept up just as a man was telling his companion about a dream. The man said, I had this dream, and in my dream a loaf of barley bread came tumbling down into the Midianite camp. It hit a tent, turned it over, and knocked it flat. His companion answered, Your dream can mean only one thing— God has given Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite victory over Midian and all its allies. And so thought for it is to be eager to attack. And the worship team can come up now and make their way out. But, um,. Thought four is be eager to attack. And so just to clarify, we're not talking, when we're applying this scripture to our lives, we're not saying, well, I'm empowering you to attack people. This is not what we're, this is not what we're getting at. We're choosing to apply Jesus and his principles to an Old Testament story. So when we do that, when we're talking about attacking, I'm talking about attacking your plans and dreams that God has given you. Attack them with ambition, attack them with just the tenacity that says, I'm going to finish this. I'm going to see it through. And so that's why Open Life has chosen in the past to attack hunger on Thanksgiving with the big give. Or we say, let's attack, you know, kids without having school supplies, and we're going to give kids school supplies at Liberty Ridge Elementary, all of them for the whole school. Or this is why we're going to attack not the foster. We're not going to attack the system. We're going to attack it with love and compassion and grace and understanding and we're going to come up with a plan to attack the need that is there, to try and meet it as best as we can. And so Jesus or God said to Gideon, he said, if you're afraid to attack, go down to the camp. And this is really interesting because he just sent them down to the camp to basically listen. Listen to this man's dream and you'll be encouraged. And so I think... That's important for us to realize is that sometimes when we have this plan where we might be ready to attack, but we need to listen to the need. We need to listen to what's going on. That's why it was important, like, about a month ago is when we, you know, it's been a fast process of figuring out, you know, let's, let's really engage foster care. But it's like we don't know anything about foster care. Me and Danny were just starting the process to do that in our own lives, but to really do it as an organization, that can, that can turn into a bad thing if you don't do it the right way. And that's why it's important to listen to people, to think about, you know, what is the plan? What's the best way to utilize and empower the people and the strength that they have at Open Life to attack this thing. And so the story goes on. Judges 7.15, and this is the final thought, is when Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed in worship before the Lord. Then he returned to Israelite camp and shouted, get up, for the Lord has given you victory over the Midianite hordes. So thought five is live in awe of God's strength. The only response that Gideon had after hearing this is to say, God, I'm in awe of you. God, let it be so. And so some of us today, our action point today is to go and lead, but some of us need to take point five and just say, God, I know you've empowered me to do something. I've just been unwilling to do it. I've been unwilling to meet the opportunities that I know are there. And so this is what's cool, is that you're empowered to think about how to apply this in your own life. Today, this afternoon, you can think about it. Tomorrow morning, when you wake up, you can think about, God, what is the plan or dream that you're putting inside of my life that you want me to attack with love, with grace, in the power of the Holy Spirit? Where has God placed you to have the fruit of the Spirit engage the people around you? What a refreshing person you could be if you have any of that fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Self-control. If you lived with the fruit of the Holy Spirit, what kind of impact could you have on people's lives? When the odds are stacked against us and it seems impossible that we're going to be able to get through a situation or to do what we feel like God's really empowered us to do, that's when God wants to come behind you and say, I got you. I'm empowering you. Take a step forward. Take the first step. Let's move forward. Let's do this. We have to be in a constant state of just saying, only God. Only God. And so this is what I love. is like, I love to chart things out. I love to like think, well, you know, in a year from now, am I going to be excited that I took a first step? Because when you're talking about following the plan that God has for you, he's asking you to take a first step. And sometimes when we look back, you can think, you know, that was the moment where my life took a a different turn, a turn for the positive where I said, you know what, I'm truly going to attack this thing. I'm going to go for it. And so when we can look at those times and we can say, you know what, I did. I took, I took these little steps one foot at a time, one foot at a time. It was gross what dad said last week about eating the elephant, but it's true. Just one bite at at a time. I was kind of like, that's nasty. And just to give a shout out, Corey's not here today, but he was in the back. He turned to me and he's like, did they talk about that in We Bought a Zoo? And I'm like, no, I, I think that was for saving animals, not eating them. And so it was just funny. But but it is true. One step at a time, one small step, God will always empower you to take the first step in whatever he's called you to do. So the action point is go and lead. Go in your strength and lead in his. He wants you to take a first step, and he'll empower you to do that. Let's pray today. God, We just thank you for this morning, a week before Easter. And we just say, God, what are you calling us to do? What are you empowering us to do in our lives? God, maybe that is inviting someone to come with us on Easter to our Easter service. God, maybe that means we're going to attack our marriages with love and grace for our spouse. And we're going to take that first step and you're going to guide us in that with each other. And we're going to look back and say, you know, when we chose to fight for this is when we, when we went forward. Maybe it's a coworker at work where we, we would say, God, I just need your self-control. Or maybe it's a situation that we're walking through with our finances that just says, God, I feel so powerless in this. But God, I pray, Lord, that you will let your Holy Spirit guide and shape us and change the way we think so that we can look at things the way that you see them. And let our lives act accordingly, God. So we pray today, God, for strength. We pray today for power. We pray today for peace in people's lives, God, that they would know the strength that you've given them and be able to walk forward in that, God. And so we give this all up to you today. We choose to take a moment in worship. Just say, God, I'm in awe of your plan. I'm in awe of what you're doing, God. And we just give you the, just the praise for that. And we give you just the thanks, God, for where you're leading us, God. Let us do that in your name, amen.